Isaiah chapter 5 about Jesus being the true vine, the father of the gardener, and we are the, the garden of his delight. He delights in us and uh, welcomes us, not because of anything we do and even not because of the fruit that we produce, but just because he has planted us, we are his, and he's given us Jesus so that we might bear fruit and his, his joy and delight is in Jesus, so his joy and delight is in us. I invite you to follow along as I would read. I want to read all of John 15, uh, the section that we'll be looking at over the next weeks, uh, verses 1 through 17 this morning, just so you have a uh, picture and con- context because we'll be jumping around at various points throughout this series, so. John 15, beginning in verse 1, says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. And this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, as I've called, uh, instead I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. As I read, I read from the NIV, and so it is a translation that encourages readability, Um, and so it uses the word remain, where the series title is abide, and many translations will say abide. We don't often use the word abide in our everyday language, but really the better the better way to capture what Jesus is talking about is not the word remain. Remain is kind of like this sterile kind of remaining together. Abide is this deep interpersonal connection. And so wherever I was reading uh, remain, um, insert the word abide, and it has probably a fuller meaning for us this morning. This morning we're going to talk about the mysterious wonder of abiding. The mysterious wonder of abiding. Sermon notes are in your bulletins if you want to fill those out as we go. But you know, you and I, it's no surprise to you. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. Uh, We live in a natural world that requires us doing natural physical things. Things like going to bed at night, waking up in the morning. Things like eating hopefully three good meals a day and maybe 
for those blessed with even more opportunity for snacking in the middle. Opportunity, we do things like going to work or even if we're retired of doing work around the house or the things that we like to produce. We have those natural things like paying bills. Those are not exciting, but they're the natural things of our lives. They're the things that happen because we are living in this natural, physical world. Every one of us spend time every day doing physical things, doing natural things in a natural, physical world. And so it should be no surprise to us that the concept of abiding in Jesus can be one of these concepts that's kind of like, all right, what does that mean? Because abiding in Jesus is a mysterious, wonderful thing that really happens, it gets played out in the natural, physical world, but where it really takes place is in the spiritual realm. It is a spiritual thing. And so sometimes in living in this physical world that we live in, the concept of abiding can be kind of like this nebulous thing that's out there. What does that even mean, and how do we even do it? A.W. Tozer, a great pastor and theologian, in a devotional from uh, July 18th of 2020, said this in a devotional entitled, Spiritual Truth is Spiritually Discerned. So follow along as I would read this. He says, surely God has that to say to the pure in heart, which he cannot say to the man of sinful life. But what he has to say is not theological, it is spiritual. And right there lies the weight of my argument. Spiritual truths cannot be received in the ordinary way of nature. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14 So wrote the Apostle Paul to the believers at Corinth. Our Lord referred to this kind of spirit-enlightened knowledge many times. To him, it was the fruit of divine illumination, not contrary to, but altogether beyond mere intellectual light. The fourth gospel is full of this idea, which is John, as we're talking about abiding. True vine, we are the branches. Indeed, the idea is so important to the understanding of John's gospel that anyone who denies it might as well give up trying to grasp our Lord's teachings as given by the Apostle John. And the same idea is found in John's epistle, the first epistle, making that epistle extremely difficult to understand, but also making it one of the most beautiful and rewarding of all the epistles of the New Testament when its teachings are spiritually discerned. The necessity for spiritual illumination before we can grasp spiritual truths, is taught throughout the entire New Testament and is altogether in accord with the teachings of the Psalms, Proverbs, and the Prophets. Nice light commentary, right? What's Tozer saying? Boil it down to this. If we try to understand spiritual truth without being spiritually enlightened, we'll never get it. Spiritual truth especially as we're looking at abiding in Christ, is a spiritual thing. Therefore, we need spiritual understanding from a spiritual God. 
as we talk about this idea of abiding, we want to look today for a few moments at what really is abiding in Christ. How, how do we even begin to understand what it is? And as, as we even sang in that last song, Spirit of the Living God, we want to see, we want to hear. We, we need the Spirit of God to open our minds and to understand it, not in just vine and branches thing. It's a great illustration that Jesus gives, a great analogy, metaphor. But it has to be encountered on a spiritual level to really understand what it is. So this morning, this is my definition for us this morning of what is abiding. Abiding, oh, maybe I don't have it in there. Uh, all right, go back. Now you got a sneak preview. If you're really, if you didn't get a seizure from that, now you got a, now you got a sneak preview. Here, here, here's my definition. Abiding is spiritually encountering and living in relationship with a spiritual, supernatural God through Christ. Okay, let me give that to you again. It would have been really, really helpful if that was on the screen. Okay, here it is. Abiding is spiritually encountering and living in a relationship with a spiritual, supernatural God through the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm, I'm going to have a number of kind of object lesson visual illustrations this morning because it has helped me to be able to try to get my mind, just like Jesus, Jesus understands us. He understands we live in a physical world and we're hand, uh, hampered by, by uh, physical understanding. And he's like, we got this spiritual reality of abiding in me and I in you and all these things. And you need illustrations to try to figure it out. But ultimately, we need the Spirit of God to open our eyes and our hearts so that we can encounter him and learn how to encounter him and abide in a supernatural spiritual way. So two main principles this morning of what abiding is. The first is abiding is first rooted in your position. Abiding is rooted in your position two aspects to this. The first is that you are clean and in Christ. You are clean and in Christ. Here's the context. Verse 2 and then into verse 3. It says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken. In the next few weeks, we'll be talking about all pruning and all these kinds of things for fruit bearing. But the main context is all of this illustration is built upon the Father being the gardener, Jesus is the true vine, and we, believers in Jesus, are branches that are connected or not connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. And abiding is the way where we as the branches stay connected to the true vine so that life and fruit come out of our lives. It's not a physical thing where I try to do fruitfulness, but it comes as a result of abiding, of being in this close, intimate relationship, this spiritual, supernatural relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says that, that cleaning, cleaning's not necessary if you're already in Jesus because he has already spoken to the disciples the word of truth that they have believed in him, 
they have been forgiven of their sin. They've been washed clean. They've been born again of, the wa- of water and the spirit. They are spiritual, spiritually clean and spiritually new. So Jesus is telling these disciples, you guys don't need to be clean because I've already cleaned you. I've already cleaned you by the washing with water and the word. The spirit of God has already done this in you. And so for you and I, just to backtrack a little bit, you and I, when we're born into this world, if this glass represents us, we are born in, you can see it, pretty dirty. Sin has marred us. It's touched every part of our lives. I think every single one of us on planet Earth knows that there's something broken in us, knows that there's something that that just isn't right. And so it's this brokenness that comes from the presence of sin in the world. And the Bible says that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us. We were born into this as beautiful as we can be. We're born into muck and dirt and gunk. But when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, when we believe that God has sent him because we can never go to God and earn our way to him and deserve his love and forgiveness that God has sent Jesus. And as he has sent Jesus, Jesus lived a perfect life in love and obedience with the Father here on earth and did everything perfectly. But even though he was perfect and holy and never did anything wrong, he was nailed to a cross to pay our sin burden. In other words, Jesus had all of our muck and dirt and gunk and shame and sickness and disease and all that stuff laid on him as he hung on the cross, completely innocent. And he hung on the cross. And when he died, he died and his blood spilled out. He died so that we might be forgiven. He took our punishment. He took our sickness, our disease, our sin, and he paid for it. He paid the price because somebody had to pay for it. God can't excuse sin. So Jesus did it, and three days later we rejoice that our Savior didn't stay in the grave. He was resurrected. He overcame sin. He overcame death. He overcame the enemy. He overcame it all so that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, who acknowledges, this is my life, it's messy, it's dirty, and no matter what, I can't clean my life up. When we come to Jesus and we say that, he does this amazing, amazing work in us, and with the work of the Holy Spirit, he, he does this cleaning work. And he washes off all the sin and all of its effects and all of the gunk. And he begins to make us clean. And he washes us. Washes us with his blood. Sometimes it takes a while. <laughs> I do do dishes, so I know how to do this. Some of you are thinking, he's never washed a dish in his life. So he washes us. And this is why Jesus said to the disciples at that point, listen, guys, you don't need to be cleaned because I've already cleaned you. And for anybody who has received Jesus as their Savior and their Lord, trusted him by faith, repented of their sin, he does this amazing work where he cleans us. He cleans us. Washes us white as snow. It's our position. Now, we're going to get to a moment of the experience because sometimes we don't feel like that, right? (laughs) 
we still feel kind of dirty because all of the effects of sin are still hanging around us. But in our position in Christ, we are completely clean. All that's been washed away. And not only does Jesus do this amazing cleaning work, but then he brings us, and if we can imagine for illustration purpose that this is Jesus, and this is us, he comes and he brings us into his life. We are in Christ. Colossians chapter uh, 1 verse 27 says that you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. There's this amazing thing. Actually, that's Colossians 3.3. 3. You died and your life is now hidden in Christ. There's this amazing reality that we are not only clean, but we are in Jesus. Forgiven. So that everything in Ephesians chapter 1 becomes true of us. Everything that's true of Jesus becomes true of us because we are in him. We're holy. We are we are new, we are blameless, we are loved, we are adopted as sons and daughters of God, we are redeemed, we're forgiven of all our sin, we're included in the plans of God, we're given the Holy Spirit. Everything that's true of Jesus becomes true of us. You are clean, and you are in Christ. This is your position, but not only are you clean and in Christ, but then there's this amazing reality that Christ is in you. Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in us, the hope of glory. That there is this mystery in which not only are we cleaned and forgiven in a positional standing before God where he says you are innocent, you are washed clean of all of your sin, but we are in Christ, our lives are now hidden in Christ, and then Christ is in us. This is just a clay pot. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says that we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay are cracked and they're messed up and stuff like that, and he's referring to us as Clay pots were these earthen vessels. We live this physical life in this physical world. We were created from dust, and to dust we will return, right? But some of us, and this was the best I could find on short notice of a clay pot, the little craft that's been painted to look beautiful. And, And I think there's a word in that for us that I wasn't planning on until I found this, is that some of us try to look pretty on the outside, Some of us try to really perform well or present well or do well. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how dressed up and pretty we become, how much we accomplish, how much we have, all those kinds of things, we're still just a clay pot. And in that clay pot, God has deposited the greatest treasure, the Lord Jesus, in us. So it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So do you see this kind of amazing mystery that really, you can look at all this, it starts right here of saying, no matter what my life says, no matter how good I think I am or no matter how unworthy or bad I think I am, if you've come to Jesus, here's the reality. You've been cleaned, washed with the blood of Jesus to wash all your sin away, and you are in Christ 
but also Christ is in you. Now, whether you feel that right now or not, that's reality. Your position is where you begin abiding from. This mystery that you are in Christ, washed clean, and Christ is in you. Abiding begins there. Abiding begins there. Is that a mystery? <laughs> you can say, what, what, how many would say that's kind of a mystery in the sense of, I don't really understand how that works. Okay, I'm there. And, and listen, I went to Bible college and I went to seminary. I'm 43 and received Jesus at six, so I've been a Christian for 37 years and read the Bible a ton and I've got all this stuff. And I still say, how does that kind of work? But here's what the Bible says is true. We have been cleaned. Christ is in us and we are in Christ. That's our position. That's our position. And that's where it starts to be able to abide is by faith to be able to say, Lord, I believe that I am these things, that I am clean, that I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. And the more we begin to recognize this position, the more we begin to believe it, the more we begin to say, this is true of me, the more it opens up our ability to be able to abide in Jesus. And so this morning, if any of this, is, you're saying, okay, that's nice, can I just encourage you to pray that prayer like this? Lord, would you open my eyes would you open my heart? Would you help me to spiritually begin to understand what it means that I'm clean of, forgiven of my sin, that I am in Christ and Christ is in me? Begin to pray that prayer. Lord, help me to spiritually understand and discern what that means. Because as that devotional at the beginning said, the, this will not be able to be discerned unless it is spiritually understood. And the only way we can spiritually understand it is if God helps us by the Holy Spirit to understand it. So begin to pray that if it's like, this is kind of confusing. And if, it is, if you're saying it's kind of confusing, you're on the right track. Just say, Lord, help me to understand what this means. That I am rooted in my position, that abiding begins there. Cleaned in Christ and Christ in me. The more we begin to understand that, the more we will be able to understand, secondly, that abiding is known in experience. Abiding is known in experience. Look at verse 7. It says, If you remain or abide in me, and my words remain or abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Abiding is known by experience by abiding in the words of Jesus. So the greatest way that we can abide in the words of Jesus is to read and to meditate on Scripture. So Scripture has to become for us not a to-do list kind of thing, not a thing I check off in the morning, I read my Bible today. It, it cannot just be reading for knowledge or reading for information. It, it, it can't be just about I'm reading a book. It has to become Holy Spirit, would you give me insight? Would you help me to understand and to spiritually discern what the words of Jesus mean? The more we begin to bring those words into our lives, the more we begin to process them mentally, Holy Spirit, help me to, to understand them. The more we understand and how it fits in 
in life, and the more we hold on to them in remembrance throughout the day, the more we memorize them, and the words of God become, the words of Jesus become part of us, the more we are changed, the more we begin to abide. All right, so this morning, you likely got this. If you haven't, Drew has more, so I, I need you just to raise your hand quick. If you have not gotten one of these Tootsie Rolls, some of you may be tempted to say, I never got one. Some of you that love Tootsie Rolls maybe say, oh, I would like another one. Some of you may have eaten it already, and if you did, that's okay. Just raise your hand. Anybody, anybody up top not get one? I want to make sure everybody got one. All right. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to unroll the Tootsie Roll. And for those of you who can't chew these, go at it as you can, okay? All right, so imagine... Uh, you're you're going to think, this guy has really lost his mind. <laughs> imagine this Tootsie Roll is the words of Jesus, okay? Now, now, we could just look at that thing. Oh, we got some back there. Hey, Drew, we may need a couple in the back there. We need two in the back. So imagine Tootsie Roll is the words of Jesus. So you could look at it and be like, well, that looks great. You could learn all about Tootsie Rolls. You could, you could, uh, I could have Drew read off all the ingredients on the back and all the nutritional value, because these things are full of nutritional value. <laughs> you could do all of that, and you could learn a lot about Tootsie Rolls, right? But you would never know what a Tootsie Roll was like until you put it in your mouth. So go ahead, put it in your mouth. Now, some of you are going to be tempted to just chew into that thing right away. Here's what I want you to do. Slow down. Some of you are way past this. It's all right. Just suck on it for a second. Start to get the flavor in your mind, in your mouth. Okay? I don't know about you, but the more you suck on it, you start to get some of the juices of the flavors, right? All right, now... I'm breaking every polite word because I'm talking while I'm chewing. Okay, just forgive me. Start to chew it slowly. More of the juices, right? Just enjoy it. Don't swallow it real fast. Enjoy it. psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How often do we look at the scriptures and the words of Jesus as good? psalmist says that the words of God are like honey to our lips, to our mouth. Sweet. See, meditating on scripture is not just chewing it up and swallowing it. It's savoring it. It's going slow. It's, it's reading through. And, and even in that verse, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, begin to ask the Lord, I want to abide. So Lord Jesus, you say that if I abide in you and my, your words abide and remain in me, that I'm going to abide in you. Lord, teach me what it means.
How do the word, how do your words, Jesus, stick in my mind? How, how well do your words stick in my mind? Help me to remember. Maybe throughout the day, you're taking that one verse and you're saying, okay, the words of Jesus abiding, remaining in my mind. Coming back to it. Some people will use even little note cards and come back to it. Lord, remain. May the words of Jesus remain. Slow. Meditate. One way that this whole concept of meditating on Scripture or abiding in the words of Jesus is like a cow chewing its cud. It's kind of gross, but they chew it, swallow it, and they regurgitate it, and then they chew it some more, and they do this over and over. It really gets in there. <laughs> but, but that, in a sense, is what abiding on the words of Jesus are. It's just continually having it on our minds, on our hearts, having the Spirit of God bring it up to our attention more and more. How do you abide? You, abiding is known and experienced by abiding first in the Word, abiding in the Word of God. Secondly, it's known by abiding in God's love, abiding in God's love. Verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. Jesus says to remain in his love. And the means for doing this is to remain in the Father's love. It's more than just knowing about the love of the Father, about the love of Jesus. It's about encountering and knowing, experiencing the love of God. You know, the scriptures are full of language like the love of God is abounding that the Father has lavished his love on us. Like we sang last week, how deep the Father's love for us. These words aren't just explanatory, they're experiential. It's intended to be experienced. Charles Finney, in the 1800s, a great preacher and evangelist, described encounters with the Holy Spirit and encounters with the love of God in which it seemed like waves and waves of liquid love would just come upon him. Waves and waves of liquid love. And I've experienced times with the Father and with Jesus like that where it just you're just saturated with love and it's an otherworldly kind of love. Like I've experienced deep love from people, but when I first encountered in an experiential way the love of the Father and the love of Jesus, it was a love that there's no comparison to on the face of the earth. Doesn't matter how close the person that you are experiencing love with here on this earth, there is a deeper, more profound love through the Father and through Jesus that is meant to be experienced. And I'll tell you, the more you experience the love of the Father and the love of Jesus, the less you're gonna run after looking for it in other places. Because when you've tasted of the love of the Father and the love of Jesus, it is like nothing that this world has to offer. It's experiential. It comes out of abiding. It comes out of abiding in spiritual encounters and relationship with this spiritual, supernatural God through Christ. And it's one of those, if you've said, I don't know if I've ever experienced the love of Jesus like that, to begin to sit before him and just say, Jesus, I want to experience that love. I want your love. More than anything, I want your love. And all of this, lastly, in abiding, known in experience, is activated by obedience. 
Verse 10 says, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. But as I have obeyed my Father's commands, as, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Oftentimes, obedience can be looked at as legalistic, all the things I'm supposed to do, and it can easily become that if love is not what drives us and love is not what we are grounded in and abiding in Jesus is not what's grounded in. But the way that we activate these things comes out of obedience. It's just like remain in my words. There is an obedient step to be able to spend time in the scriptures, to meditate on it, to, in, to, to bring it as part of who you are, to allow it to fill you, allow his words to fill you. There is an obedient step to saying, Lord, I want your love. Obedience is not legalism when it is because of abiding and because of love. But there is no way to activate the love of the Father. There is no way to activate the, the words of God being really transformative in our soul unless we do what they say. It's just the way it goes. Jesus said in chapter 14, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. You've heard of the whole love languages kinds of thing. You know, acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts. There's one more. I forget what it is. There's five of them. Jesus' love language, one of his greatest ones is obedience. We show him our love by I obey. Not because I want to earn or deserve, but because you've given all of this, my natural response is obedience. I, re I hear your words, I respond to your words, I do what you say, because I love you. And when that happens and his words are transforming us and we're obeying them, the love of the Father, it's, it's, it's all intermingled. We can't say step one is remain in his word. Step two is remain in his love. Step three is obey. Like, they're all so intertwined, you can't separate them out, and they're not even sequential. They're just what we do together in an abiding relationship with Jesus. And the only way we can experience this is to actually begin to do it. Say, in response to who I am, clean, in Christ, Christ in me, I want to spend time in the words of the one who I am in and who is in me. I want to begin to understand what his word has to say. So Holy Spirit, would you open my mind and open my heart to the truth of your word? Give me steps that I can live this out and obey and do it. And I'm going to receive what you have for me, the love of the Father. Probably the biggest shift for me in all of this was in 2009 when I came back from a missions trip to Mexico and I saw people who had nothing living on a dollar a day with encounters with God and the Holy Spirit and the love of God and the joy of the Spirit in ways that I don't think I'd ever seen in America. And I came back and I go, and I'm going, what am I missing here? And in that time, I began uh, a trusted friend, a trusted mentor, just the Lord dropped him in my lap at that time, and he began to say, you just need to spend time with God and listen to what he has to say. Spend time in his word and listen to what he has to say. And 
I learned more in the next two and a half months about the love of the Father and about abiding in Jesus and about the work of the Holy Spirit and intimacy with him than I had learned in all my years prior. Even in all of my Bible college and seminary and all of those things, all the knowledge I knew, I encountered the love of God. I encountered and by abiding, I encountered the Holy Spirit in ways that I never had. And I'll tell you this, all of it was rooted and based in Scripture, but all of it had to be me and him. He taught me. And so if you're looking for me, you know, so this is my little challenge and encouragement out of this message today. If you're looking for me or someone to tell you the way to have abide, uh, an abiding relationship with Jesus, we'll give you, I can give you principles of this, but the way that you learn it is with him. And you have to be with him. It's crazy to think in a marriage for you to read a book and have that book teach you how to interact with your spouse, give you principles. But your spouse is a living, breathing human being who is unique and different. And the only way that you can have that close, growing, deepening relationship is to spend time with them, to talk, to listen, to respond to what they're saying. And that's where love begins to grow. That's where it begins to flow. It's in relationship. And so my encouragement to us this morning is simply this, that we would take what we are rooted in in our position, that we have been cleaned, that Christ is in us, and you are in Christ, and come to the word, not for what you need to do to check it off, to say, Holy Spirit, open, give me eyes to see. Spirit of the living God, I want to hear your voice. I want to know the love of the Father, and I will do what it says. I will do what you say, because he will take you on a journey and you will abide in him deeper and deeper and deeper and the love of God will flow in ways you've never experienced before. And even if you've experienced it before, he's, he's an endless well that will take you deeper, that will give you more because that's who he is. We'll leave it at that. Can I just pray for you this morning as the worship team would come? Just pray that the Lord would open and would give hunger for, for abiding. I want to even just give you space for a moment. If it is your desire, if you feel that the Spirit of God is saying, I, I have more I want to teach you about what it means to abide in me. I want you to encounter my love in ways you haven't encountered it before. I want my word to come alive to you in ways it's never come alive to you before, just to be able to take a moment and say, Lord, I don't know what this all means, but I want to learn. Teach me. Teach me. I'm going to spend the time with you. The one who delights in you welcomes you to spend time with him. Do it not to earn it, not to deserve anything, but because he already has it, just to come. Come to him to receive all that he has for you. I'll give you a moment just to pray and then I pray blessing over you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless what you're doing. Lord, I pray that no one 
came to hear from any person this morning, but I pray that we have come to hear from you. And so, Father, those things that, that you have been stirring and speaking to hearts, Father, bless that work in the name of Jesus, that fruit would come from it. Father, I, I bless the hunger, I bless the desire, I bless even the, the wondering, what, what does this all mean? What, it, what does this really look like? Father, I pray for out of position of what is true, that we've been cleaned, that we are in Christ and Christ is in us, out of that mysterious, wonderful position that you have made possible for us through Jesus. Pray that you would teach us how to experience it in an abiding relationship. Jesus, may your words come alive to us. Holy Spirit, bring the words of Jesus alive. Give us grace and power by your spirit to be obedient to those words. And so may the abiding love of Jesus and of the Father be poured out and encountered in fresh ways. Father, bless what you're doing. And Father, even for anyone today who may say, I'm, I'm not even sure what it means to be clean. Father, I pray that you would meet them in that questioning and that wondering. That, Jesus, you would encounter them as Savior, as the cleaner, as the one who by your Spirit gives rebirth, brings us to life. Father, we bless the work that you're doing and say, have your way. In Jesus' name.